We say we're indeed grateful that you've come this evening. We're going to study together the subject that we mentioned this morning, some principles of successful Christian living as found in the account of Daniel and the three Hebrew children, some things to help each and every one of us. The 15th chapter of the book of Romans and the fourth verse, the Apostle Paul said, Whatsoever things are written aforetime are written for our learning, that through comfort of the Scriptures we might have hope. In the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, after accounting some of those who had gone before, he sums up by saying, verse 32 beginning, And what have I more to say? For time would fail me to tell. And he mentions the names of some and then the principles by which some live their lives. And really what the Hebrew writer is saying is, I don't have time to discuss all of these, but we'll just let the ones that I have discussed portray the principle of faith that you ought to have in your lives, and these others are some we could talk about. And what shall I say more, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. Daniel, of course, being one of those prophets, who by faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, and of course you've got both David and Daniel who stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, the three Hebrew children are involved in fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, more were bonds and imprisonment. The Hebrew writer has in mind some of these that are mentioned in the book of Daniel along with others. And then the first part of the first section of the book of Daniel, you read about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and what happened that they were carried away into this Babylonian captivity. You remember a couple of weeks ago we studied together in the adult class concerning Hezekiah the prayers of Hezekiah. Hezekiah made a mistake. He showed those who were from Babylon the things that were in the king's house. And because they had seen these vessels in the king's house, Hezekiah made a covenant with them rather than trusting in the God of heaven. In the 39th chapter of the book of Isaiah, also recorded as we read the other morning in the Second Kings, 20th chapter, it says in verse 4, What have they seen in thy house? And Hezekiah answered, All that is in my house they have seen, and nothing among them that among my treasures have I showed them. Not. And then said Isaiah unto Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, 
the day shall come when all that is in thy house and thy fathers have laid up in store to this day shall be carried away into Babylon, and nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. Know thy sons which shall issue from thee which thou beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Now when the book of Daniel begins, that's just exactly what's taking place. They've been carried away into captivity. And you'll see Daniel and these of the Hebrew children are eunuchs in the house of the king of Babylon. Their children, verse 4 says, in whom there's no blemish, well-favored, skillful in wisdom and cunning in knowledge, understanding science, such as had ability to stand in the king's palace, of whom he might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Among other things, you have these who are in the king's house, and they're trying to take the Israel and the God of Israel out of the Hebrew children. They're educating them in the ways of the Chaldeans, and in doing so, they're trying to lead them away from the God of heaven. And the king appointed a daily provision of the king's meat. He's going to make these the finest boys who are in the kingdom. And the Bible says in verse 8, which was read a few moments ago, that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with that portion of the king's meat, nor the wine that he drank. Therefore he requested the prince of eunuchs that he might not defile himself. The king's meat would have included those things which were unclean, those things for which the children of Israel should not eat. It included blood and things strangled. These were specifically commanded that God's people were not to eat of these things. And so Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have purpose that they will eat of these things. You come down to the third chapter of the book of Daniel and you'll see that a decree has gone out from Nebuchadnezzar that if they hear corn or the flute or harp, a sackbut or psalmistry, or if they hear those who are singing in a chorus, that they're to bow down at that time, and worship the golden image which Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, well, as Daniel could not do this. This account mentions Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these refused to bow down. Because they refused to bow down, they're cast into the fire furnace. And it says in verse 17, which we'll mention tonight, If it so be that the Lord God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fire furnace, he'll deliver us out of thy hand, O king. And so they place their confidence in God. And because of that, Nebuchadnezzar came to know that this was indeed the God of heaven. You turn over to the sixth chapter of the book of Daniel, and you read the account of where these have tried to find some fault with Daniel and they can find no fault with him. And so they make a decree, go out for King Darius to say that if they refuse to, or if they pray to their God, then they'll be cast into the lines. Then the king could not be changed. The king was upset. He recognizes that Daniel's going to have to be cast into the lines then and the king commanded, verse 16, 
And they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. And the king spake unto Daniel, saying, Thy God, whom thy service continually, he will deliver thee. And so Daniel is delivered from the king of lions. Here are those who are in principle successful Christians. And I say in principle, we recognize this as before the time of Christianity. But here are men who are pleasing unto God. They live successful lives before God. There are some principles that are involved in their life that I believe are steps to success that every Christian must have in his life. There are principles that are involved in living the Christian life that will never be successful Christians unless we imbibe the principles of the lives of these men. And I want to suggest to you tonight some of the principles that are involved in their lives. The first one of these principles that I want to suggest to you tonight that is involved in the life of Daniel as well as in the life of the other Hebrew children is that of conviction. We read in chapter 1 and verse 8 where it says that Daniel purposed in his heart that it would not defile himself with that portion of the king's meat. And in doing so, he's answering for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they do not. He goes back to them and he says, Pray to the Lord concerning this matter. Here are those who have conviction in their heart to do what God would have them do. Now let's think carefully about the circumstances under which this decision takes place. Now I think we can readily conceive that a man with a lack of conviction certainly would go along with that. Here they are, and they're away from home. They're down at the court of Nebuchadnezzar. All the principles of their religious life and the lives of many would have been left back home. They're away from home. They're at a place in life when the majority of people are not following the God of heaven. Now think of these, the fool in the midst of a nation that's ungodly, and the decree goes out from the king that you will eat of the dainties that fall from the king's table. Now think of us if we were in a situation like that. In the first place, there would be that honor that we would feel to be in the king's palace to begin with and now to be able to participate in all that the king is to participate in. Think of the fine meal. And yet, this is something that goes against the principles of God. Here are things that God has said you won't eat. But just think of the excuses that come into our mind, young people. Well, now, here I am down at the king's palace, and you know how upset the king's going to be if I don't eat that. You know, just this one time, it won't hurt anything. It won't really matter. Won't anybody know it? And there's no one that would defy an order from the king. I mean, sure, you know, here I am, and I'm at the king's house. I can take one little drink, can't I? Won't nobody know the difference. Daniel was a man of conviction. And because of his deep conviction, and because of the faith that he had in the God of heaven, he stood and he said, I can't do this. I can't defile myself with the king's dainty. He recognized that as a child of God, there were things that he could not participate in. 
that there were things that he couldn't do simply because he was one of God's children. Others might do them, but yet because God said you won't do them, the Bible must determine my life. And when he made that decision, it was based upon God's work. And so here's one of conviction. But not only is Daniel a man of conviction, he has a religion of nonconformity. He wouldn't conform to what others would do. Can't you just hear those who are present on that occasion to say, well, everybody else is doing it. Why, don't you know that you're going to stand out? You'll be an oddball if you don't do that, Daniel. Everyone's doing it. Here's the whole crowd. You've got to do what they do. You've got to eat of it because they eat of it. But Daniel was a nonconformist. In the Roman letter, in the 12th chapter of that letter, in verse 1, Paul said, Be not conformed according to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. A child of God can't conform. It doesn't matter what the crowd does in Exodus 23 and verse 2. The Bible says, I shall not follow a multitude to do evil. Don't follow the crowd. Just because the crowd doing it doesn't make it right. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says evil companionships corrupt good matters. We need to be careful that we be nonconformists and don't do things just because the crowd does them. Here's a man of deep conviction, and because of his deep conviction and because of his love of his God, he refuses to conform and be like everyone else. But he stands for what the Lord would have him stand for. Thirdly, his religion was more than custom. I'm afraid sometimes that our religion becomes a matter of custom, and we simply go through a form of worship. As a matter of fact, the very thing that got the children of Israel into this compromising situation was just that. Before you come down to Hezekiah in Isaiah chapter 39, when he's told you're going into captivity and all your young men are going to be eunuchs in the king of Babylon's court, in Isaiah 1, they went down and they offered sacrifice on sacrifice, but there wasn't any real value to it. They needed to wash, be made clean. He said, you're going through a form of worship. All you're doing is going down to the temple, offering sacrifice, and your sacrifice becomes sin unto itself. Men who allow their religion to become a matter of custom when it comes down to the real testing point and the trial of faith, they succumb because all they're doing is going through a form of worship. Here's one whose religion was more than custom because here was one who refuses to compromise. We need to understand that one must give his life rather than compromise his faith in God. Why? Here's one who is committed. And it's the commitment that he has that causes him not to compromise what he has. When one becomes a child of God, he is committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Matthew, in the 16th division of that book, in verse 24, 
Jesus said, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Here's a commitment that's mine. One is to deny self and take up his cross and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Luke, in the ninth division of the book of Luke, you see the same idea set forth when the Lord Jesus Christ said unto them all, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So there's the added feature of taking up one's cross daily. Here are those who are down in Nebuchadnezzar's court. They could have said, well, you know, it's not going to hurt us. We'll just eat the king's dainties today and then tomorrow we'll be all right. What about an individual whose religion is that that we mentioned is just custom? And he believes that his religion's a Sunday religion or a one-day-a-week affair. How's that going to work? When here it is on Monday, and the one comes in and he says, now here's what you're to eat today. And he looks at that and he says, I can't eat that. God said, you can't eat that. I can't eat. Why? Because his religion is a committed thing. We need to be committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be committed to the authority of the Bible and allow the Bible to direct our lives and determine our actions in life. And so here's Daniel, and he grew children, and they're committed to the law. But then again, in the fifth place, they count the cost. Now here's Daniel, the three Hebrew children. What's the reaction going to be from the king if they don't eat that? Can you defy the king? Here's one who is a captive, who is a slave in the king's house. Can you defy him? They counted not their lives dear to themselves. They were more concerned about principle than they were their lives and what the consequences might be. They were concerned with following the God of heaven. In the 16th chapter of the book of Matthew again, We've already read, Jesus said that we must deny ourselves and take up the cross and follow him. The very next verse, he said, And whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what shall a man be profited if he gain the whole world lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his son? These, because of the commitment that they have made, have counted the cost and they see that even though it may require their life, that a life is not a soul. And the most important thing to them is their soul. In the 14th chapter of the book of Luke, Jesus uses the same kind of language in verse 27, and he says, Whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, Set it not down first and count the cost where they have sufficient to finish. I'm afraid that many Christians or many when they obey the gospel fail to count the cost. Maybe a part of that's our fault in converting them. We don't point out to them what it's going to cost them. To be a Christian, it costs yourself. 
Jesus said a man must deny himself and take up his cross and follow him. And second, Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 5, it says of the Macedonians, but first they gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Here are those who have counted the cost, and they said, I don't care what it costs. If it costs my life, it won't cost my soul. And my relationship to God is more important to me than even my life, and it was only because they had that conviction that they were willing to pay the price that it took. But then again, here are those who have refused to compromise. Many of today would want to compromise their religion and take a little and give a little. You know, it won't hurt. We'll just do a little bit. I'll be a Christian part of the time and the rest of the time I won't be a Christian. And so compromising our religion, we compromise our influence. Maybe one of the reasons that we fail to convert the world of the Lord today is we've compromised our religion in many instances. We ought to live distinctive lives so that the world could look at us and tell, not because we have to brag about it, but because of the life that we live, that these indeed are the children of God. They refuse to compromise. If there was ever a time, a place, or a cage, when we might think, well, maybe it'll be all right to compromise. Let's go to da with Daniel down to the line. Then. Is it time, Daniel, to compromise your religion? All you've got to do, you can worship God. That'll be fine. Just don't pray. Have we refused to compromise when we don't take time out of a busy day to pray to God? Have we refused to compromise our religion when we don't think that we've got time to study our Bible? What's really important anyway? Daniel understood to serve God the most important thing in my life. And he said, you throw me in that line. That's all right. I'm not going to compromise. But then again... Daniel and the others recognized the true character of God. Notice what it says concerning them in chapter 3 with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If our God whom we serve, or if so be, you put me in that, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire. Is that true? They said, I don't care what the situation is, our God's bigger than you are. And I understand that God's able to deliver me. And he is able to deliver me even if the lives had been taken. What difference would that have made? Their souls were delivered. What about Daniel over in the sixth chapter? The same thing. True. Daniel recognized that God is able to deliver. And by that time, Darius understood because of what he had learned from his father ne or grandfather Nebuchadnezzar that God was able to deliver. 
Hear those who refuse to compromise. Hear those who know the very character of God himself. And because of this, they have communicated the God of heaven to the lost world. The book of Daniel is one. We'll take the time. We need to start back on our journey through the Bible to discuss this book. But the book of Daniel presents the sovereignty of God to the whole world. God was concerned about Nebuchadnezzar's court. Why do you think these were down there? The light of God went into Babylon through Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar himself, although he had to go out in the fields and eat grass like a cow, Learn that this is the true God. Came to know the God of heaven. Here are those who by their very life, because they refuse to compromise, because they're men of conviction, show to a world that's heathen that there is a God in heaven, and this is a God whom I serve. If you and I had the kind of conviction that these men have, our lives would be the kind of examples that they ought to be. Our lives would communicate the God of heaven by our very lives themselves. Turn with me tonight to the first epistle of Peter and the second chapter of that epistle. And Peter says far better than I can what I'm trying to say. Peter says concerning this, verse 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Now, is that the kind of life that Daniel and these lived there in a foreign country? They're strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, whereas they speak against you as evildoers. Now, what do you think they said about Daniel in chapter 1 when he said, I can't eat that? Can't you see all the rest of them down there? He ain't nothing but trouble, man. Whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good work, which they behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. In chapter 3, he says, Likewise, ye wives, be subject to your own husbands. If any obey not the word, they may by your, or without a word, be won by the conversation. The wives, while they behold you chaste, a conversation coupled with fear. Then in chapter 4 he says, For as much then as Christ has suffered forth in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life it may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When you walked in the civilishness, lust, excess of rhymes, wine, reveling, banqueting, the bundle of idolatry, wherein they think it strange that you walk not with them to the same excess of right, speaking evil of you. Here are those who refuse to compromise, and because they refuse to compromise, they communicate God to the world. But then finally, it says concerning Daniel in the sixth chapter, when he is to go in among the den of lions. Verse 16, Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel, and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thy service continually, he is able to deliver thee. Here is one whose life was not for ready. 
Here's one whose life was that that was constant. Thy God, whom thy service continues. Might this not be a commentary on what it is to be faithful unto the Lord unto death? Revelation 2.10, he said, Be thy faithful unto death, and I'll give thee life. Here's one who's willing to go in the very face of death itself. He was faithful to God unto death. It didn't matter whether he had to die or not. The thing that was important in his life was to serve the God of heaven. We need to have these principles in our lives tonight. To be as these were. To be constant in our religion. To allow our religion and our conviction that deep within our heart to set forth the very principles that we believe in our life. Because these were men of principle, they refused to compromise. And they stood where God stood. And they stood for the God of heaven. And because they stood for God, they communicated God to a lost nation. We need that lesson so bad in the church. We need to know where we stand by our study of the Bible and where we stand. We need to stand firm, thereby communicating the gospel of the lost world. I wonder tonight, if it's not that the reason that we're not converting the world for the Lord tonight is not because that we've lost any preaching efficiency, not because we've lost any people who have been convicted and are trying to teach others personally. But it might be that we've lost the stand that we once had for purity of life. Many are impure, and because of impure life, when we do teach the truth of God, it's been compromised by others. And because it's been compromised by the lives of others, the words that we say have no meaning. We need to think carefully and consider this lesson. There are those even in the city of LaGrange, I'm sure, that are supposedly Christians who are so compromised that when you talk to your neighbors about the gospel of Christ, that's what they think about. We need to stand for right and place right in our own life. If there are any here this evening who are not the children of God, we urge you to come. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If there are any who have committed public sin, they need to be confessed as publicly as they've been committed. If you're subject, won't you come as together we stand in silence?